Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Michael Cox has been recruiting for over 20 years. In 2019, he went out on his own and founded Zagworks, where he helps sales professionals hire the best possible B2B sales executives. Today on the show, I'll talk with Michael about the nitty gritty of side hustle finances, why pivoting your business model is sometimes a solution, and what inspires him each day. Michael, welcome to the show. Sanjay, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Glad to just be talking shop with someone. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk to you about sales because yeah. that's like really the most critical piece for all founders. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up in deep South Texas. We're talking like the area called Rio Grande Valley, right on the border with Mexico. Um, and uh, left there, went to university here in San Antonio where we live now. Um, and during university, I would dedicate my sum summers to working. And I found what I didn't know was recruiting back then, but I was doing recruiting every summer and then did that after graduation. Um, and then started kind of migrating into a sales role um, and then kind of grew my sales knowledge and grew that experience for several years doing sales for a very large tech firm uh, or research and consulting firm. Um, and then wanted to marry the two, um, and and since then have been have been doing uh, recruiting and sales recruiting, um, and and like for the past goodness many years I've been just focused on sales recruiting. Yeah. So so uh, so over time you kind of just honed in on that niche. Why that niche of all things? Yeah, I, I would say. You know, some people say niches are really good, but it's kind of scary also because I can't do anything else. Uh, I don't really know anything right. like I know sales and recruiting. So it, it started making sense for me when I left the recruiting world, went to work in sales for a company called Gartner. Um, I did enterprise sales for them for about four or five years. <clears throat> and then um, started. I made the mistake of I started asking a bunch of people, how do you get this job? Well, how do you how do you join on and. I, I, I didn't know recruiting was a thing while I was actually in recruiting right out of university. And so once I figured out that it's a massive industry, that's, that's when I started wanting to merge the two. So I got good at sales. I got pretty good at recruiting. Don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Mer merge the two together. So right. now you're running Zagworks, but before that, was this your first entrepreneurial venture or did you have something that you'd done when you were younger? So spent several years in, in recruiting agency and corporate and all that. So I, you know, I figured I could try and make a buck off of 
you know, the, the, uh, the dust that settles into the crevices of your brain. I had looked at thousands, tens of thousands of resumes, and I could tell this is good, mm -hmm. this is bad, this isn't going to get you the, the, the respect, the, the attention that you deserve. You should change these things. So I started doing that for friends and family and then started trying to make a buck at that. But it's the, yeah. the, the return on time investment on that was pretty small. So I was doing little things like that before I really started going into considering doing this, like actual recruiting independently. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did, did you, but did you do anything like when you were a kid entrepreneurially or, or anything like that? We had avocado trees and, and, and sold avocados growing up, like fill the red rider and hit the streets and see what you can do. Um, you know, I did a little market research that... and went down to the local grocery store and, um, uh, uh, you know, checked to see what the price there was, figured I'd mark it up a little bit because you don't have to drive here to do this. So, yeah, did that, you know, whenever <laughs> avocados were and, in season. <laughs> and and that was farm to table avocados. So, you That's know, right, that, it, it deserves a little bit of a markup. Well, right. were, were there any other entrepreneurs in the family? The closest to an entrepreneur that I was exposed to, I had an, I have an uncle who is a like a pediatric nurse practitioner. And he went through school and he did the, he did that and went all the way and then uh, started his own clinic, started many other clinics, sold a bunch of clinics, retired for a little while. But I was never really close enough to that to, to actually get into the, the, the nitty gritty, as you put it earlier, um, as to how entrepreneurship works. But, you know, the fears of making sure that you make payroll, um, all, all of the stuff that goes into dealing with landlords and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah ma making payroll is probably the the biggest fear uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs. But we'll we'll talk about fears in a minute. So yep. when you decided to kind of branch out and go on your own, um, you know, what was the impetus to make you do that? Like, what was the the thing that was like, oh, okay, I gotta I gotta go gotta and just this. quit and go all in? Like you were doing these things a little bit on the side, but mm -hmm. what what caused you to go all in? Yeah, I, I call those the, the push factors. And any kind of a career move, there's push factors and pull factors. Um, the push factors were I was getting, you know, I would say stubborn and big-headed about the way I should be doing sales recruiting. And it wasn't matching up with the powers that be. And I, at, at one point, I was leading yeah. sales recruiting for several organizations owned by Xerox. Um, and, and we just weren't seeing eye to eye. So it was working out. But I wasn't agreeing very much with what they were, the way they wanted to, it done. That coupled with the fact that in the last few years that I was there, I started doing some splits with another sales recruiter that trusted me enough to say, I've got clients. I don't have enough candidates. Help me and we'll split a fee. And so doing that, goodness, five or ten times in, in a year, nearly double it. it we saw a significant increase in our earnings. And, and uh, so quickly, that, that was kind of like my wife and I said, yeah, we got to do this. And so that was the, the kind of the trigger, like, oh, this would make sense financially. And so that, that's yeah. when at the end of 2019, those two major push factors came together. And I thought, you know what, 2020, that's going to be a good year, man. <laughs> We got to do this now. So I jumped and, and uh, 
and, and then the pandemic hit. And that, that's a that's a big story right there. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. Let's let's uh, talk about first that that first part of it. So, um, <clears throat> was it that you were seeing that you were able to do this and generate more income for yourself with less work? Is that really kind of the the crux of it? Because it sounds like five yes. or ten times you did it, and you were like, "Oh, this is a lot of money." Absolutely. So as a as a corporate recruiter, because I, I always carried what they call a rec load. I always had my jobs to fill, even though I was leading other teams. You could you could fill 10, 15, 20, 30 jobs in a month. Um, and and that is busy. Um, I think my record was like 25 jobs in a month, but it was nuts. And, and but your 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 compensation typically in a corporate recruiting role never really changes. The amount of work does. Mm. Um, so that was, that was one factor in that. Um, and, and that kind of, that coupled with doing much less work, filling one job, seeing a significant ROI on the time that I would spend on my nights and weekends, having those conversations, sourcing and speaking to individuals, um, and, and, and kind of being their tour guide through the interview process. It was, it was way less work. Um, there, it is more difficult uh, sometimes, well, in some aspects, but it doesn't eat up as much time and the return is much greater. Yeah. So um, you alluded to this already, but uh, I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction. When you started this, yes, you probably had a set of fears and things that, that worried you in 2019. But then yes. how did those fears change in March of 2020 when the pandemic hit and everything got locked down. So talk to us about your fears and, and how you dealt with those fears. Oh, man. So the, the primary fear was, do we have enough in the bank? And, and so we, we got to about six or and, nine and is months. And this, is this in March of 2020 that you're talking about or at the very beginning? Uh, no, I'm talking about um, middle to end of 2019. So around, let's say, okay. August to okay. December is when we really started saying, yeah, okay. we need to do this. So it's it's like okay. we put a freeze on any frivolous um, um, spending to make sure that we had enough in the bank still, and and we made enough in in a couple years prior to and and we kept that, realizing at that moment, man, we're gonna have to do this someday. We need to hang on to this. And, and so when I ended up jumping, we had about six or nine months. Um, another fear was where am I gonna get my clients? I don't have any clients. And so I made sure that I had one when I was walking out the door of my corporate job. Um, another thing was benefits. We, it's my wife and I and, and three kids. How are we going to pay for benefits? How are we going to make sure that if something happens and with kids, the, you know, they're three under the age of 10, things happen. Um, how are we going to cover that? Others were um, where's that next paycheck going to come from? And, and, and mm -hmm. so that's a big fear. And the way I handled that was we saved a lot. We stuffed a lot away. We did not spend. Um, I didn't spend very much on the business to get it started. So <clears throat> a lot of those things were, were helping to, to mitigate those fears and, and try and account for those. But fear is a great motivator. I'll tell you what. So then, uh, so fast forward a few months. Yep. March twenty twenty hits. That was brutal. How did those fears change, and how do you yeah. deal with it then? Yeah, I, I remember the day like it was yesterday. 
um, right in the, in the Ides of March, it was March 15th, um, I get yep. a call from my client. And, and client says, hey, man, we are excited about those four candidates. This is going to be a huge payday. We're excited about those four candidates. Um, I, I just got an, an, a notice, though. We're going to hold off on, on those offers that we're going to make. We're definitely going to make those offers. And, and they're excited. We know they're going to come on. <laughs> But I got to attend some meeting. I'll be right back to you. This was a VP of sales. All I deal with typically is VPs of sales. And I said, hey, no worries, Jim. Talk to you soon. I'll keep these guys. I'm going to let them know that an, an, an offer is eminent. eminent. And, uh, and I did. And he came back to me a couple hours later. And he says, we're not hiring anywhere globally. This is done. So – Keep them – the great line that we usually hear from hiring managers, just go ahead and keep them warm. So I was like, I'll keep them warm, but for how long? <laughs> and it ended up at that point all hiring froze within that client. And you know, just any target client that I was working immediately says you – know, and again, these are VPs of sales. Hey, hey Michael, um, not only are we not hiring, we're laying off. And oh, by the way, can I send you my resume? And so that, uh, that was frightening. And, and, you know, it, yeah. it, uh, there was no way to really deal with that, but you know, the, the, the slight pivot that I made, I, I got to build these relationships because nothing lasts forever. And so I, I was just focused yeah. on helping as many people as I could get through this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess little do these people know that if you keep bread in the oven warm too long, it becomes inedible and it's going to get burnt to a crisp. So yeah, it's hard to keep a human warm too. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Humans need to move on too. That's right. Okay. So as you're, as you're thinking about this, um, obviously like keeping costs, like you talked about that in the beginning, like, Hey, we're going to cut out all the frivolous spending and everything. How did you Think about that. How did you do that? How did you make sure that, or and did you cut even deeper when March 2020 hit? Yeah. So I I started um, this little business of mine just bare bones. I figured I need to be able to communicate. So I need a phone. I need email. Email tied to a website would be nice. I'm gonna find a cheap website. Um, and and everything, everything. I, I, I created a little list of all the, the things that I spend money on a monthly. Now that, that list was, was like two lines long. What, what do I have to spend to make this business work? And, and you quickly realize it's not as much as you would like. Some people go crazy and think we need that. It's all the bells and whistles. And so I made sure that I treated my business like uh, like an employee that isn't quite producing yet, and so if you want to get paid, you know, business. If you want those things and you need those things, you're going to have to produce. So when I would you know make enough money to pay myself, keep keep the lights on here at the house, and um, I, I might set aside a little bit to invest in the business in some of the software products that I needed. That, I, that would make my life a whole lot easier. And so um, we got to be careful with the word need because sometimes most of those things are, are want. <clears throat> and at the beginning, yes, I could really use those things. They would make my life easier. But mm-hmm. easy is a, is, a, is a luxury that I can live without for, for a, an extended amount of time to make sure that 
we have all of the things that the kids need and, and that maybe the, the wife needs and maybe the, some of the things that the wife wants. And so we have to make sure that we, we don't spend too much. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, uh, that makes sense. Um, and, and a great way of kind of thinking about it because your, yours really is a, a business built on relationships. Yes. Um, so then coming into the pandemic, um, you decided to, to keep going the way you were, or did you pivot the business model to figure out how to make more revenue and, and how'd you make that decision and what'd you do? Yes. Had to pivot because really anybody that I spoke to would say the same thing. We're not hiring. Not only that, we're laying off. Not only that, can you help me with my mm -hmm. resume? So th there were a couple things. Number one, I was going to build those relationships because if I see, if I, if I see Sanjay and I know he's a VP of sales and he has been for the past 20 years or 10 years. Um, I know his next job is probably going to be the same. So if I help him out as much as I can with absolutely everything, considering that it's just kind of like giving him what they say, the, the, the sleeves off of my vest, it's things that I know already. Um, hopefully I'll build a relationship in that. And, and mm -hmm. when a need arises in the near future, maybe he'll remember his old pal that helped him out. And so I was very much focused on the first pivot, which was help everybody as much as you can and, and try mm -hmm. and keep your commission breath out of the way. I wasn't doing it for a buck. And number two, another pivot that I made was I had to create kind of a new service offering that would be beneficial to a client that may, might need to hire, might need to hire more than just sales, but can't justify a 20 to 25% fee. And so I, I created a new service, which was kind of like a, I was doing RPO, re, uh, um, just basically taking pieces of the recruitment process and allowing them to outsource that headache to me. And so whether it was sourcing, hmm. engagement, sourcing and engagement, or the whole thing, now they were paying to have a, a very skilled, I'd like to think, uh, very experienced sales recruiter, join their team for a very short period of time and ramp them up. And so I did that for a few clients. Um, and, and that helped towards the end of 2020 and, and all of 2021 as well. So basically what you did was you took the, Hey, you have a wreck, I'm going to fill it. And yeah. instead you took that process and broke it up and said, I can do whatever segment you need me to do instead. So how did that affect your your revenue and your commission? Because normally a recruiter takes commission and says like, hey, you've got a rec, I'm going to fill it. And it's based on that part. But if it's only on the filling the funnel portion, yeah. then then how are you getting paid? Yeah, it's not the same payday. Um, unless you you siphon your hours out to those clients and have multiple clients in that type of, of uh, of, of RPO, uh, recruitment process outsourcing. And so I had, I had at one time, one client and, and man, they got a lot of, a lot of attention. Um, I had a few clients and, and maybe they didn't <laughs> get as much attention, but I made sure that they understood this is exactly how much time I'm going to dedicate to this. This is what it's going to look like. And I'll even help consult on how to work with an external recruiter because sometimes um, some of the hiring managers didn't react timely enough 
to secure the talent that they need to be successful. Um, and, and so hmm. um, it was it was a lot of work with the heads of sales organizations to kind of tell them, honestly, this is this is where your team needs assistance. And, and it became very consultative. Um, but again, um, I, I find that the more time I spend with clients and prospective clients, tend to realize they tend to realize yeah he kind of knows what he's talking about and and i become um <laughs> a, a much more valued resource to them either now or in the eventual future yeah yeah so okay so let's uh switch gears a little bit yeah. um so you started your side hustle small business at a unfortunate time in, yeah. in retrospect but maybe it was fortunate now looking back at it now that you've gotten through it all through all of that time, how have you balanced the stress and demands of doing this with family life and personal life and and all of the other commitments that you have? Because, you know, this kind of thing could really eat up every waking moment and then some if you let it. Oh, absolutely. So how did you manage that? So poorly um, for a time <laughs> and, and justifiably so, like we, we're, we got to make some money. Um, or else I'm going to have to go find, quote unquote, a real job. Um, and, and my wife understood that. <clears throat> and the kids understood that. Um, but eventually, when when we started to see things moving again, and we started to see checks coming in the mail, um, then then we have to decide, okay, Michael is going to work from this time, after dropping the kids off at, at, at school, from 8-ish in the morning till five-ish, sometimes taking a break in the day. I'm going to have to tack that on to the end of the day if I got more work to do and then spend time with the family till everybody's asleep. And then I might work a couple hours um, and, and do it all over again. But we had a business that you actually care about will eat up every minute and hour that you give to it and will not apologize yeah. and sometimes may not even pay out. Yeah. Um, so we had to be very careful with how much time I would allow myself to work. And we would set the boundary mm -hmm. on you're going to be available from five o'clock or five 30 until this. And then we are going to attend all of these events. You're going to take the kids to soccer practice and you're going to be at soccer practice. And you're going to make sure you do these things. And so, you know, ballet and tennis and piano and, um, and, and so, we have to decide as individuals what we're going to actually give over to the business that, that becomes can become very demanding. And we can also just go down so many different rabbit holes of, man, I'd like to do that. Oh, we should do that. That sounds like a great idea. Great ideas are, are difficult um, and, and time consuming. So we have to we have to pick our battles carefully. Yeah. So, so thinking about those boundaries, how do you, how do you set them and how do you make sure that you maintain them? Is there something that you do? Is it, so you, you talked about the hours and, yeah. and making sure, but there's, there's other boundaries as well. And, and how are you making sure that you're maintaining those? So yeah, we, we, we set time limits. Uh, I'm going to be available to my family until after, after five 30 and after five 30, I'm I'm calling it quits for the day, and and I'm not going to touch it again unless 
everybody's out of the house and then I, I, can, I can go play again um, and, and do work. <laughs> um, but I, he, the, the important thing is when you are at work, just work. Take advantage of that. Um, because if you don't, you can burn through an entire afternoon of watching things. Because here's, here's another problem with, that we see in the world of work. Everybody wants to work from home. But to self-control and, and be able to actually work and, and that intrinsic drive isn't present in everyone. Um, so we have to be very careful mm -hmm. to you know, be careful with what we wish for. Um, but yeah, yeah. We, we're very intentional with deciding you're going to work only until this time and everything that doesn't get done, it's going to have to get done tomorrow. And, and we were very clear and that was yeah. difficult, um, really hard because I can pour, um, importance into absolutely anything. So we had to, yeah, had to be careful with that. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So let, let's switch gears a little bit. You talked earlier about uh, investing in technology and apps and systems and things like that uh, as you got revenue. What are some of those things that you've done that have made your life easier or made your abilities more because of the capabilities they've given you. Yep, Ab absolutely. So the um, the big thing is, you could th these software subscriptions can can bleed you slowly, um, and and if you, if you take a look at what your 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 monthly spend is on your on your business, you can see that everything from Gmail to Zoom and all of these different tools. They add up very quickly, especially when you have other team members. That starts to multiply your costs because of the number of licenses that you need to have. <clears throat> the first um, thing that I'll share with everybody, um, and, and maybe a bit of advice, what I took advantage of is a site called AppSumo. AppSumo.com. I go there, and gosh, I sure would like to have the latest in screen recording, screencasting, or email, or anything else. Tons of software that you can spend your money on. If you go there, you might get an LTD, a lifetime deal. Maybe you pay 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, but you're never gonna pay for it again so long as that organization is around. That's the risk that you might take. If that company folds, you no longer have access to that software. It hasn't happened to me yet, um, and that's where I purchased most of the the software that I use and have cobbled together to get my business processes flowing smoothly, sometimes even without me. Um, so I look at my business process and and think about all of the stages and then make, you know, when the money comes in, I might make a little micro investment there and then somewhere over here. And, and so then that starts to develop an actual flow um, of, of your actual business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great uh, piece of advice. And AppSumo is actually a, absolutely a, a great place to go check out yes. uh, and try to get deals on, on services. Um, so two last questions for you. Um, first, 
what would you tell somebody that's thinking about taking a leap and launching a side hustle or like you taking that side hustle and going into a, a full-time business? Absolutely. So I, I think starting a side hustle, number one, take care of your, your, your main hustle. Whatever it is that you're doing, take care of that job. See if you can advance within that organization um, because you need to build margin in your life and in your finances. Um, the margin in your life, meaning you got to have the extra time to actually side hustle. Um, and then the, the finances, you actually got to have the money to actually make some investment and also start building a, a uh, kind of like a launch ramp that that time where you're not going to have a, a steady paycheck. So build those margins into your life to make sure that you actually will have the freedom to go and, and start the side hustle. And then if that starts to pay off and you realize that there's a significant opportunity to continue building that, but it's going to require all of your time, build up your bank even more so that you can actually make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. Last question for you. Yep. For our listeners that might be looking for salespeople to hire. There you go. How should they make sure they get somebody that is really, really good? Other than hiring you to find them for them. Like yeah, how exactly. do they make sure that they don't get, <laughs> they don't, they don't get a, a, a dud salesperson. Yep. You've got, so typically you hear people talking about how you need to take your time in hiring. Hire slow, fire fast. The fact of the matter is there's so many opportunities out. People all, right now in, in early 2023, the, the big thing that everybody's talking about is layoffs and how much talent there must be in the market. But you still have to be very attractive and you still have to offer great opportunity and you still have to be able to connect with those individuals that are now actively possibly connecting with other companies. And so think about how you're going to stand out and move quickly lest you miss the opportunity to bring on that talent that you need to hit the goals that you're responsible, that, that you've been charged to achieve for your organization as a sales leader. Um, so don't move slow. Maybe, maybe be intentional and, and pack in as much as you can to the short amount of time that you have with that candidate before that candidate moves on to another opportunity. So be outbound, I would say, be outbound with regard to engaging with the talent that you are going after, that you would like to have within your organization. Do not wait for them to come. Do not expect to have the right person apply for your position. Um, that That is a, a dangerous thing to rely upon and over-relying upon um, job posting, we call it post and pray or post and hope, um, is, is not a good <laughs> recipe for success. So be outbound, definitely. Yeah. Be quick. Great, great, great advice. Uh, Michael, where can our listeners find and connect with you if they want to? Zagworks, spell it right or spell it with an X. Doesn't matter. It'll take you to the right, the same place. Um, or even easier, connect on LinkedIn. Um, and rather than trying to find me, Michael G. Cox, just Go to thesalesrecruiter.com. That'll take you directly to my LinkedIn profile and we can connect there. Awesome. 
Thanks for coming on. Sanjay, it was great, man. I loved it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X dot com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Park. You can find me on Twitter at at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparek.com.